0: At the end of September, we, uh, we celebrated 10 years as a church community. And, uh, and, and with that milestone for us, we felt that it was time for uh, a name change. And so sort of Jesus changing uh, 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 Simon's name to Peter. And, and, and we just thought it was time for a, a new name. And, uh, and so we are now Family Church, which we feel like really encapsulates who and what we are, what we're about, and so we just thought it was the right name for us. And um, and and with that, we thought it'd be good just to take a few weeks and and talk about kind of the meaning of that and what it means to be family, and in in a spiritual sense, what what it means to be family. And so uh, we, we last week we walked through uh, Romans chapter twelve, which is just beautiful. It's 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 Paul uh, talking to the church in Rome about. What we're about and and what believers believe. And uh, and so it talks about the body of Christ. And so um, we're kind of working our way backwards. Uh, and so we're, we're now going to move back one book of the Bible to the book of Acts. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to go to chapter two and read a few verses there. And then next week, we're going to go back one more book of the Bible and we're going to go back to the uh, gospel of John. So uh, this will be fun. So we're just kind of walking through and and my opinion of church doesn't really matter. My opinion of, of family doesn't really matter. We're looking at what God has to say about it. And, uh, and that's what we want to, to direct us and guide us and lead us. And so uh, we're going to go to uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, verses 44 through 47. And we'll just take some time today and just kind of dig deep into uh, what's being said, what's being talked about. And I'm excited. I love these verses. So beautiful. So uh, here we go. Verse 44 in Acts chapter 2. All those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness, and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Um, just a little context. Uh, so this this is being said uh, on the day of Pentecost, and the day of Pentecost happened. This is actually the, the kind of the origin of the church of the New Testament church. Uh, this is the day it started. And uh, what we're doing today really started it on this particular day. And so this is about seven weeks, uh, 50 days after the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus uh, obviously had brought these 12 guys, it ended up being 11 there at the end, uh, with him uh, to, to sort of teach them, train them how to carry on this 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 family in and, and church. Jesus did not come to... Uh, create another institution, uh, another organization that was about rituals and, and uh, it, it was very formal. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't come to establish uh, yet another religious dogma. Uh, he, he came to give life and, and he gives life through family. And so he, he taught them and, and more importantly, exposed them to the culture, a counterculture that he was creating in the earth. Uh, That was about family. It was refreshingly different where the doors were flung open for anyone and everyone to come and be a part of the family of faith. And so that's what Christ was doing. We were adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. And so he he trained them. He taught them. We'll talk more about that next week. But uh, they are carrying that out. And so he left it in their hands. They're carrying it out. So this is uh, weeks after Jesus had had left. And so they are uh, they are by that time. This is this group of people their are Jesus followers are about 120 people. And on this day of Pentecost, about seven weeks after the death and resurrection of Christ, uh, that number in one day grew from 120 to 3,120. So they added 3,000 people in a day and baptized all those people. It was it was a pretty big day. And so uh, this this day is incredible. Again, this is the origin of the church. And then we get this snapshot of the heartbeat and the priority of this new church. This new church is supposed to be established, built on the finished work of Jesus. It is not a a collection of religious people trying to be more religious so that God approves of us. This is a a group of, of people who are joined to the family of faith by the blood of Jesus brought in because of what Christ has done and this whole thing is built on the finished work of Jesus and so uh, it, it, this is a snapshot of the value system and the priorities of that church before our world and our culture got its fingerprints all over it and uh, we, we like to, to conform things to us and we like to kind of wrap things around us and our style and methodology and and, and this, is, this is kind of before all that happened. This is, kind of the, this is the pure, not from concentrate church of Jesus Christ. And so there is beautiful qualities here. They're so simple, but life-changing. And, and I just kind of want to walk through these uh, together. Now, before I do that, I, I love this quote, and I just want to share it just to kind of give some context or framework for what we're talking about. This is a, a French theologian. Uh, named Pierre de Chardin, which is fun to say, je Francais. francais. Uh, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings a, having a human experience. And so uh, I think that we typically approach Christianity as if it is a spiritual thing that we add on to our human lives. It is a spiritual conversation in the midst of a very human experience, and that is not the case. We are spiritual beings. We are first and foremost spiritual beings created by God, and so this conversation is a conversation about how we live that out in our human experience as spiritual beings, how we walk this out together as human beings on planet Earth in 2022, how we live this out together as human beings, having a human experience or have a spiritual beings having a, a human experience together, and, and so the, the the first statement here that I'd like to to look at is this sentence: "All those who believed were together." Um, now, in our world, we are we we tend to be individualists, uh, very independent, and we like to do things the way that we like to do things, and we like to do what we like to do. We like to. Kind of uh, schedule our lives around what we choose to schedule our lives around. And so um, a lot of times we, have you ever bought a car? No, never, not once. Um, when you buy a car, which has been a long while, and the last one I bought was, uh, was a 98 Dodge Ram, so it, this isn't really even the conversation for, for that car in particular, but when you buy a new car, you discover hey, there are things that come standard with the car, uh, the, the car comes with wheels. And uh, it comes with a steering wheel. So, yeah, it comes with the thing standard. And then there's, uh, there's add-ons. There's options. There's additional options. Oh, you want the spoiler on your station wagon. That's awesome. Uh, you, want the, uh, you want the navigation system. You want the whatever it comes with. Uh, these are options. These are add-ons. they are upgrades, right? Uh, I, I think as Christians, we think of community and our lives together in the Christian experience as an option, as an add-on, as, you know, if you feel like it, get together. Now, the main thing, have faith, love God, serve God, listen to God, read the Bible. If you get, if you get some time, get together. What's said here is this. All those who believed were together. All of them. Community is standard. Being together in this life is standard. Uh, doing life together as believers is standard. It is not something that we, if we feel like it, if we want to, uh, and I, I know, listen, there's a lot of reasons that people stop going to church, because they're hurt, and, and, and church can oftentimes be a collection of broken people, which, <laughs> shocker, so is the rest of the world. So, um, but it, it can be difficult to kind of prioritize community together. But it doesn't, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not important, it's not valuable, it's not, it's not vital for our lives, and so uh, I love that statement, all who believed were together. Uh, and then it goes on to say, they had all things in common. Now if you read that the way I read that, it means that we all like the same music, uh, we all root for the same football team, we all, uh, we all like the same food. How many of you guys like fish to eat? That's gross. Um, I, I, I don't like fish. So you you read it like, way. it's like, ah, you know, all things in common mean they all vote the same way All they think they, they think the same way. They like the same stuff. That is not, that's, it's actually a poor translation of what's being said. The word here is used as koinonia. Uh, Koinonia is used like 20 times in the new Testament. It's a very powerful word that talks, that, that really speaks to our sharing the life of Christ together. Koinonia is our sharing the life of Christ together. It's fellowship. It's, it's community. It's doing life together. And, and so that's what's being said. It's not so much they, they had all things in common, meaning they agreed on everything. That's actually kind of shallow. It means they had all, in, uh, all things in common in the sense that they shared everything. They were sharing. Their lives were open with each other. And so that's what they were doing. That's what is, this is speaking to. I, I think we oftentimes look for common ground in shallow territory, in, 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 in these things that are just tastes and, uh, and opinions. And if we actually try to find unity and community based on just those superficial things, we're never going to find unity and community. It, it's, just, it's, not, it's not deep enough territory for us to live in. Uh, there's something way different. Now, now, I know in our modern culture, uh, so many of us look for opportunities to divide. Uh, and our world looks for opportunities to divide. Uh, and there's a million reasons not to do life with other people. But there's one massive reason to do life with people. And that massive reason happens to be bigger than all the reasons not to. And, and that is Christ. I want to I kind of jump over to another scripture for you guys. i just got a couple other additional scriptures to give you today and so this is Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verses 12 through 15 and this speaks to that and uh, this is what it says so as those who have been chosen by God holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another forgiving each other Whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were uh, called in one body and be thankful. Uh, Love is the perfect bond of unity, not shared opinion, not, not shared experience, not shared background. Not, not commonality in terms of viewpoint, in fact, I, would, I wager to say, and I, I think i 'm pretty accurate here of those three thousand one hundred and twenty people that were joined to the new church, the early church of God, they did not agree on everything. Trust me, in fact, uh, they had very different as the church goes on as the snowball rolls down the hill and the church picks up steam and obviously this whole experiment of God worked, because here we are 2,000 years later talking about Jesus in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, It it worked. And the reason it worked is because there was something deeper than than shared experience and shared opinion. There was was the the commonality of Christ. The perfect bond of unity is love. Now, I want to say this, and and if there's nothing else you catch today, catch this. Uh, if, If for whatever reason... We're looking for opportunities to excuse ourselves from relationship uh, due due to offense or, or disagreements or whatever. Anything that divides us as the family of faith, anything that causes rifts and divisions within the family of faith, that topic, that thing for us has become bigger and more important than love. The things that divide us for that moment, the reason they divide us is because that thing has become bigger in our hearts and our minds than love itself. Love is the perfect bond of unity and if we're like, well, I'm offended and I can't believe that person said that, that offense has become greater than the love that's supposed to rule in our hearts. The Bible says, let all you do be done in love. That means choose it. That means stick to it. That means abide by it. That means let love rule you, compel you it doesn't mean it's easy, because it's not. I, I never thought about the, the, uh, the contrast of the fruits of the Spirit, how much those things that contradict or contrast the fruits of the Spirit are about our relationship with each other and getting along. The vast majority of the things that oppose the fruits of the Spirit are these things, and this is, I'm just rattling these off. These are listed all in a row. enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. These are the things we're supposed to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Let the fruit of the Spirit rule our lives and, and be the, the fruit of our lives. Let those things be the, the things that we're distinguished by. And what, what goes against those things is so much having to do with making our, our lives about ourselves and right fighting and creating divisions, creating factions, gossip, hating other people because they're different, hating other people because they disagree with you we got to work we got to we read last week if it has if it's up to you if it has anything to do with you work at getting along with each other that was romans 12 do everything we can to make this work and, and so, it's so easy there there's there is a natural gravitational pull of our humanity that wants to find a reason to isolate we want we we're, it's like we're always looking for a reason to exit I need a thousand reasons to stay. I need one reason to go. And, you know, the Bible says that love doesn't keep record of wrong. Yeah, but we do. <laughs> we got a list, trust me. And, and we're, we're tabulating that all the time. Like, can you believe he said that? Can you believe that's going on? Can you believe, can you believe? It's like, okay, yes, there's some deal breakers in life. But there's a few deal-breakers in life. There's not a million, right? If there's a million deal-breakers in our life as it relates to relationships, then maybe we're letting a million things grow bigger in our hearts than the love of Christ. It goes on to say, now, now here is the result of that. Prioritizing people above and beyond differences. This is the result. This is what happens. They begin selling their property and possessions and shared with everyone who might have need what they they sold everything and they put it in a fund so that anyone that was hurting going through a tough time had plenty to receive for their time of need it's beautiful now now just some context here uh, 120 people, and then it grows to 3,120 this day. They were, uh, they were Jewish. Uh, they, uh, they fell in love with this man named Jesus. They fell in love with his gospel. They fell in love with the mission of Christ. And because of that, and Jesus addresses that, he tells his disciples, again, we'll talk about next week, in, in the upper room, he says, hey, they hate me, they're going to hate your guts too. Uh, And and when when he says they, he's talking about your family, your community, your friends are going to resent and reject you. And and so these people lost everything. They lost their careers because no one would patronize them because they are traitors to the Jewish faith. They lost family. They were disowned. They were rejected because... They, they chose Jesus. And so therefore, because in the same way Jesus was rejected, they were rejected too. And so you've got a community of people that can't even really work. And because they can't work, there's a lot of need in this community. And so they began saying, you know, I've got some, I've got a little bit too. Let's just put it all together. Now, this was an under compulsion. In fact, Paul teaches uh, later on, he says, don't give under compulsion. Don't do that. Give out of the generosity of God moving on your heart. Now, this now the methodology might change in the fact that we're not we're not all just kind of like uh, we we all have jobs we have careers our our needs are different than the needs of this, this moment this time so our approach toward this might be a little bit different but the heartbeat is the same it is prioritizing other human beings as it relates to our finances which is, is very difficult to do, because I work hard for the money, so you better treat me right. Uh, we all do. We all work jobs, and, and we, we make sacrifices, and there's things that we'd love to do. I would love to go on a European vacation. Um, it, it's just not, it's not an option for me right now. And maybe when I'm old, and maybe, maybe God will make a way, but it's just not an option for me. And so uh, there are sacrifices that we make, you know, to raise our kids and, and all that. But, but somewhere along the way, what about people who are really in need? At what point does that factor in in our brains as it relates to our own income? Or is all that just for me? And this is a community, and, and there's, no, there's no telling, there's no bossing. Uh, the truth is, we don't love people uh, outside of our church. We don't love people within our church. We don't love other people because I tell you to love people. We don't go out and love people because we're supposed to love people. The only real love that comes from our hearts is because we are first loved. The Bible says in 1 John 4, we love because we're first loved. God loves us, therefore, the chemical reaction is because God loves us, we love others. The Bible says God has forgiven us. The freedom to forgive others is found in the freedom that God gives us because He's forgiven us. The Bible says, freely we give because He's given us all things. Giving generosity is not a demand and it's not a regimented thing, it's not a rule, it's a revelation. Generosity is when our eyes are open to this life is so much bigger than just me. And, and even when in those moments we're like, yeah, it's a little tight. And I, I'm a little stressed out about money. There's nothing like being generous to free you from the stress of money. Because you realize in that moment of generosity, God's in charge, not you. See, money... Money can rule us. This is why Jesus says you can't serve two masters because so often money is something that rules us. It controls how we feel. It controls what we do. It controls our decisions. It controls our sleep at night. It controls so many arguments within our marriage. Hello? vast majority of arguments in marriage have to do with money. It, it's something that can rule us. What happens when you open your arms and say, Jesus, I am an owner of nothing and steward of everything. And everything you've given me, you've given me only to steward. It's not because I'm the end destination. None of us are the end destination for anything. Because at some point we're all going to go home to be with Jesus and we're not taking it with us. So God entrusts his people to help other people. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. So, when we talk about generosity around here, it's not, again, it's not one of those things that's like, that's an option. No, it's standard. This comes with being a believer. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he, his response was, he gave. And that's what we're compelled to do. Now, now faith apprehends. We apprehend by faith. So, faith receives. So we believe Christ. We receive His love. We receive His grace by faith. We're saved by faith through by grace through faith. Faith is how we apprehend. And the Bible says Galatians five six. Uh, the only thing that counts is faith receiving, expressing itself through love giving. So we're always in this posture of we don't want to be constipated Christians. This got awkward fast. We we want to let it flow and we say let it flow galatians six ten. let us not lose heart in doing good that that phrase that let us don't let us lose heart it uh, means don't don't let us get discouraged don't let us give up on this in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary so then as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to to the family of faith. The family of faith is one that, com- that prioritize, prioritizes uh, taking care of each other, being vested in each other's life, being involved in each other's worlds. And that requires uh, a willingness to participate, a willingness to lean in and help, but also takes a willingness to be open and vulnerable and honest with our needs. So this community is, is vulnerable that might be one of the, the hallmarks of this community. It's vulnerable. We can't help each other in our needs if we don't know about our needs. I think this is the importance of family groups because this is all beautiful, but, but at some point it's important to sit down and say, I'm having a hard time. And then we can lean in, we rally. We, we jump in, we dive in to assist, to help. Uh, I love this statement in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read this in a couple different translations. This is Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25. Uh, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. That, that, that means um, not only participating in, in each other's lives, but encouraging each other to participate in other people's lives. So the domino effect is we're, we're creating a culture that is always looking for the opportunity to love and serve. And and it goes on to say, and and don't forsake getting together, being together. That goes back to the original point. We get together. Uh, We're in this together. Uh, Another translation, the the message translation of this this verse, let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. I love that. How inventive, creative we can be in in encouraging and helping each other out. Um, the, The verse goes on to say in Acts, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. There's a lot said here, um, but I just kind of want to just paint a a broad picture as we begin to wrap up. So the, the priority was certainly coming together to worship coming together to hear the gospel. Just before this, a few verses before this, it talks about the devotion that we have as as church members, as believers, to the gospel, to the message given to the pastor, the the apostle of our church, to the the message coming forward, a devotion to it, to hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So they, they met together corporately, continually, so they came together into the temple. That, that is, that's what we're doing today. Now, this isn't a temple. This is an event space. But still, uh, the truth is the, the location is not the point anyway. We are the temple. Uh, we are the body of Christ, not the building. We are the, we are the church. We're the ecclesia of Jesus, which means we're the called out ones. We are the ones that belong to him and belong to each other. And so uh, we are, this is the temple. We are the church. And this is vital because we got to hear the gospel. We got to hear the gospel and we got to worship together. And we got to pray together. We got to be together. We got to be in a room where, where people can come in and experience Jesus in a real and tangible way. And that's a priority. So they prioritize this. And again, go back to Hebrews. Don't forsake this, the importance and the value of this. But this is not where it stops. It goes on to say they, they met together, they worshipped together in the temple, but they also, they went to each other's homes and they broke bread. They had dinner together. So you, you read this and you're like, man, this is, I mean, this is the day of Pentecost. I mean, there is miracles and amazing, never-before-seen things happening. Stuff that's out of this world and just unbelievable. And then you get down to this very common everyday practice of, hey, we go to church, and then we go to small groups. How unremarkable is this? After flaming tongues are descending from heaven, then we go, like, oh, and we'll g- we go get Panera bread and eat at the house. What? But this is the value of the church, is doing life actively together. Now, we're going to get into the spiritual significance of what's being pictured here, and that is Communion and what was instituted uh, by Christ uh, in the upper room. And we'll talk about that next week. But, but I, I want to really just double down on the importance of sharing life together in an intimate setting and being open with each other. Now, it says in homes, I know some of our groups meet in coffee shops or, or wherever. We can meet everywhere. They didn't have a lot of Starbucks back then. They, it, was ju- it was brand new. <laughs> they hadn't franchised yet. But the importance is uh, even the significance of that. Why a home? Why are they meeting together at home? Because that's where the family is. Everyone that's under that roof together is family. Uh, there is a um, one of the greatest films ever made. Is a, a movie, a little independent movie called Fast and the Furious Five. Fast Five. Starring uh, maybe the greatest actor of our generation, Vin Diesel, Meryl Streep, Vin Diesel. It's right there. So, <laughs> it's a tie. Um, it, the Fast and Furious franchise has it, it's it's been long enough, okay? But they hit their peak at Fast Five when they're when they're racing each other in space. It's like uh, enough already. But but here, Fast Five is the crescendo. It's the peak. And uh, my wife and I have always loved these movies, and um, for whatever reason, it's silly. But we we went and saw Fast Five in the theater, and uh, probably the day it opened. And then I drove too fast when I left the theater, because that's what I do. Um, So I look at the old lady next to me at the stoplight, and you want to race for slips, lady? (laughs) Um, So uh, there's a moment, now, if you don't know, if you're not familiar, if you haven't even accidentally seen one of these movies, I don't know how (laughs) that's possible, but uh, the, the, the whole premise is these are people from, from you know, uh, shady backgrounds. They're criminals. They're people of sketchy reputations. And also police, police officers, all these kind of different people. They've come together. They're all different. They're all weird. Uh, but they are family. And so God, God creates family out of misfits and outcasts and riffraff. That's what the early church is. And so uh, there's a moment in Fast Five where they're in a warehouse where they're kind of their hideout. And they're about to do this big heist thing. And, uh, and there's a little bit of a moment where uh, they're, they're cooking, they're grilling uh, food, eating together, having communion together. And instead of wine, it's Corona. But they, they raise a glass. And, and uh, Vin Diesel makes this little speech. He says, hey, money's going to come and go. We all know that. But the only thing that matters are the people together right here, right now. And he goes, salute me, familia. That was where, in that moment, watching that silly movie with my family and uh, my wife, we looked at each other and we were like, that's me familia. And so that was the beginning, if you've ever heard us call the the church, call our community, La Familia, the family, is because, and that's really family church, uh, we can all thank Vin Diesel for the name of our church. (laughs) Somebody's like, I I don't want to come here anymore. That's... uh, (laughs) I think that's a deal breaker. <laughs> uh, I did the little face swap app that was hot a year or two ago, uh, where they put your face on, and I, I I was like, hey, we'll try Vin Diesel. Didn't change a thing. It just looked like Vin Diesel. I was like, huh? Nah, we're, we're, maybe we're brothers from a different mother, or like that. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm Groot. Um, but I I in that moment I was like that. Yeah, exactly. That. The, the, nothing else. The, the world is shaky and breaky and, and, and messed up and jacked up, and, and, and the approach of the world and, and the, the priorities of the world and the, the worries of the world, the troubles of the world. What Jesus says in the upper room is like this: world's gonna. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome it. And the reality, the living out of that, we've taken, we've, we've overcome this. Is the family of faith. And in that moment, in that moment, really communion's instituted. Uh, During a time of Passover. And Passover traditionally is all hell's breaking loose on the outside, but we're safe on the inside for that one night. Well, what the upper room was, all hell's breaking loose on the outside, but we're safe on the inside from now and forevermore. Not just one night, forever. Because of who we're with. And getting together in homes is, is celebrating, reveling in, remembering... That we're all safe together. We're in this together. We're family. Salute me, familia. The only thing that matters is what God's building within our hearts and what He's doing in the family of faith. All This world's going to fall to pieces. But we are with Christ, and we are forever safe and secure in His arms as the family of faith. Uh, I want to end with a, with a story. I, I uh, last, I think it was two weeks ago, I'm driving down Holtzclaw coming here. And it was about dusk. It was really a, a cool time of day. And I saw them coming, but I saw uh, the, the flying V, the mighty ducks. Uh, it was geese. And they were flying in the V formation. And I, I quickly rolled down my window. And my, yes, my truck I, is this move. It's not a button, it's this. This is why I'm very buff on my left side. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? Um, and so I, I rolled down my window quickly, and I stuck my ear out the window just to hear them honk. And, uh, and, and right there, in that moment, there was a little snapshot. And, and I knew somewhere it's was going to come up, and here today's the day. Um, do you guys know about geese? So uh, I think they should rename Canadian geese American golf course geese because I've only ever seen them on golf courses pooping on the green. But anyway, uh, geese will fly in a V formation. We know that. We've seen that. But there's a science to it. There's a reason why. And the, the front geese, because of the formation, creates lift for the other geese. To, uh, to fly with ease on the lift that they create from the front. So they all kind of share in the momentum of togetherness. And when the front geese gets a little worn out, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm tired. He drops back, and another one takes his place. And so they're always kind of taking care of each other, and, and when one's weak, the other one will step in and say, I got you, buddy. And the honking... You might think, well, you know, bears bear, bees bee, geese honk. That's what they do. But actually, the, the ones that are honking, are the ones further back, and and it's actually scientists have discovered that it's actually uh, it's actually basically their ver- version of encouragement. Say, keep it up, keep up the pace. You're doing great. And so this is actually like a, a, a kind of a goose honking to encourage. Those who are, are are driving this and leading this, so they're actually they're encouraging each other. I think there's some reference here, and I think God flew the geese over my truck that day just to just to remind us that this is us. We're we are in this together. We are we are encouraging each other. We are uh, stepping in and allowing other people to borrow our faith, borrow our strength, enjoy the presence of our lives in their lives. The greatest gift you can ever give anyone is you, is your presence. That is the greatest gift that you have. It's not, it's not what you can do for them, it's who you are to them. Uh, the gift that we are to the body of Christ is not even necessarily what we do, that comes with it, but, but the true gift is who we are, and being a part of it, and, and encouraging each other because we need it. And, and I know uh, what, what can happen, and probably what happens more often than not in our world, is that we, are, uh, we look for help when we need it, and then we excuse ourselves otherwise. It, it, this is a life that, that, that God is creating. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, uh, in, the, in the picture is death itself will never prevail against this community. That, that family of faith, that church, is, is meant to be a, a group of people who are just as engaged in giving as they are receiving. Maybe even more so because the priority is put on others. But it's people who are perpetually contributing because they know that there's always someone in the mix that needs help. Being ever-present. Jesus is our ever-present help in time of need. That's the call of community. That is the call of the family of faith, to be ever-present help in time of need. Of need. Now listen. I've gone through some tough stuff, and I, I mentioned this last week. Um, I've I've certainly been uh, private. I have, my personality. I'm a very private person. I close the bathroom door before I blow my nose. Before I brush my teeth. I want privacy. Uh, I remember uh, I had a I, I played on the uh, the the why uh, the YMCA basketball league. I used to play on uh, the YMCA Basketball League, and their men's room was in the back of the locker room. And so when you walk into the men's locker room, it's almost like having the Walmart greeter who's older, but that Walmart greeter standing at the door is is naked. <laughs> and it's very uncomfortable to walk into the <laughs> a locker room. I I just want to go powder my nose, and there's just... Uh, it's like the movie Cocoon, but, but Wilford Brimley's got no clothes on. Um, brushing their teeth naked, putting their shoes on. It's just, it's just more nudity than anyone ever needs to see. So I just kind of... <laughs> I, I started just holding it and going across the street to the gas station. But uh, I was just like, enough of that. Now, for, I'm very private. <laughs> I was like, that would never happen, ever. I'm not taking my shoes off in front of you guys. So, uh, I, th- to... to be open and vulnerable with my shortcomings and, and, and my, my pain and, and the things that I've gone through is not natural for me. But really living in community is, is allowing God to lead us into a better place because really this community is vulnerable. It's open and it's honest to say I, we're going to engage in life together. We're going to be open and honest with each other and, and share And truth is, that's where Jesus' strength shows up the the brightest, the strongest, is in our weaknesses. In fact, what unites us is our need, is our weakness. That's what brings us together. And so uh, my encouragement is this. Uh, Lean into this. Uh, Read these verses over and over uh, a few times. And and let them sink in. Because, again, this this is the church. This is the priority of the family of faith before the world got its fingerprints all over it. Uh, before we turned it into an enterprise, before we turned it into a business, before we turned it into some sort of, uh, some sort of ritual. It, it's not that. It is a living, breathing family. And, and it, there's so much life, so much encouragement. And, and not only that, the last part is so true. God added to their number day by day. Continually added to the number. What that means is, and I know we get caught up in metrics and numbers as, as modern people, but what it's really saying is more and more people felt, uh, felt welcome at the family table. More and more people in the midst of their life found freedom and home and family and togetherness and hope in this beautiful family that God is building on planet Earth. So may we be the refreshing family of faith where we can all grow, where we can all live and breathe and have our being in Christ, share our lives together, encourage each other, build each other up so that this life is beautiful and God brings more and more people to the table for us to enjoy life together.